Hello, it's Paul Scott here with my weekend podcast as usual. I think I'm going to do two today as usual. I didn't do a part two last week because uh, there wasn't really anything particularly interesting to talk about, but there is this week. Um, So Paul Scott, small caps investor and commentator and writer of the the weekdays small cap value reports on stockopedia.com. So this is part one, my weekly summary. It's the 22nd of July, 2023. Now, I thought I heard something in the background a bit like this. Now, what was that, you might say? Well, that was actually somebody firing the starting gun for a new bull market. Yes, I'm going to stick my neck out here. I've never said this before. I think the bear market is drawing to a close, and I think we could be going into a new bull market for for small caps. I'm talking specifically about small caps. The valuations are now so attractively low in many cases. I think this is a fantastic opportunity right now. Now, that's got to be tempered with the fact that we know we're going to get some profit warnings. We just don't know from which companies. You can, you can generally avoid most of them, I think. Um, but we found out this week with Port Merion that, you know, companies can reassure us that everything's fine and that they're, they're trading in line. Next thing you know, bang, a couple of months later, there's another update saying they're going to miss their profits by about two thirds. So you can't avoid profit warnings. I've had several um, this um, month, actually. I think I've had two, Watkin Jenkins and Port Merion. And yet in both cases, they were on my top 20 watch list. Uh, I didn't hold Watkin, jo- Jenkin, Watkin Jones personally. I did hold Port Merion personally, but only a small position. So it bad, didn't really make much difference. Um, uh, you know, bad luck to anyone who had a bigger position size in Port Merion. But it, it should come back in due course. You know, it's not a broken business. But I think management credibility is definitely uh, heavily dented, I have to say. What, what was I going on about? Oh, yes, profit warnings. So my top 20 watch lists, it's actually top 32. So 32 small cap shares I put on two separate lists, top 20 and uh, 12 runners up, I called them. These are my favourite stock picks for 2023. Both lists are up 6% year to date, uh, which is well ahead of the AIM index that I benchmarked myself against. That is down 8.5% year to date. So at 6% above, now I've absorbed two profit warnings within that 6% in the last week alone or the last fortnight. So it just shows, doesn't it, you know, if you're diversified in 20 or more stocks, the odd profit warning actually doesn't do that much harm. You you can take it in your stride because other things will have done well. So we can't get away from them. It's just the way it goes, uh, particularly when macro is tough because the market is expecting profit warnings. That's why everything's cheap. But I think we're going into a, a new bull market now. So in my view, this is the time to be fully invested in small caps for me personally. I always am anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, you just, just look at what's happened with the, with the house builders. I've been on about in these podcasts nearly every week how cheap they've been looking for a while. And if you miss that initial rally, you've missed out on, in some of those things, a 15-20% rally. So the trouble is, if you're not in the right stocks and taking a bit of pain, you you miss the best bit of it or or a substantial bit of the recovery. So I think it's time to uh, commit money if you're you know, if like me, you're prepared to take a degree of risk, I think, and you've got to be in it to win it in terms of takeover bids. And we've got a lot of bids coming through. So I'm feeling pretty bullish on small caps. 
uh, to be fair, as I have done for a while, but obviously we're all nervous about macro as well. OK, let's look at Monday. The Monday, the 17th of July, uh, Graham and I looked at 10 companies, so I'll rattle through these fast. T. Clark, Graham looked at. This is the electrical contracting business for large, complicated projects. Um, interims were OK, but wafer-thin wafer profit margins. And the trouble with this is they've just done a £10 million fundraise, so diluted equity by about 20-odd percent, but that's the equivalent of the last five years' worth of dividends. So uh, what's the point in diluting to raise money for working capital that you've paid out in dividends? So we don't think much of this one. It's an OK business, probably shouldn't be listed. It's got a massive order books, T. Clark has, but... Um, I think there are much better things out there than these low-margin um, contracting businesses. Next, I looked at Tortilla. M-E-X is the ticker. This is a chain, rap- quite rapidly expanding, actually, chain of um, fast food outlets serving uh, burritos, Mexican-themed food. Very, very nice. I've mystery shopped them a few times, including this week. Uh, very filling, nice meals, reasonably priced, I would say, and healthy-ish. Um, I think it's not making much of a break-even. It trumpets EBITDA, but the EBITDA figures don't make sense, obviously, where you're depreciating a lot of fixed assets. So only around break-even. So why am I moderately positive on it? Well, because they've absorbed a lot of headwinds on costs, in particular energy and food prices, which are obviously now easing. And I think it's gaining market share, and I, I think it's got limited direct competition. There are not that many... Outside of London, there are not many decent Mexican-themed fast food outlets. And I think Tortilla are good, capable operators. So I think, as a recovery share, it's only 32 million market cap. I think as a recovery trade, this one could be quite interesting. So I'm leaning positively towards Tortilla. Next, Graham looked at Craneware, um, which he says looks pricey by UK standards. This is the uh, health healthcare software business that, that actually... It's based in Scotland, but sells in, in America. So Graham's just saying looks expensive on a PE over 20 to the, to Brits, but American by American valuation metrics, it might be cheap. Next, Graham looked at Dynomi, DNM, I think the ticker is there. I've forgotten to put it here on my spreadsheet. Oh, dear, down 40% on a profit warning, only 14 million market cap, but it's got 7 million cash in the bank. The cash in the bank is probably the only redeeming feature, but we said that last time, and it's just dropped another 40%, so really underperforming that business. Now, Unbound Group, UBG, it's game over for this one. This is the hotter shoes thing that I spent far too much time on. I've been through all my historic posts on it, actually, to see what my views actually were. And it's quite interesting. It was first mentioned by us in the small cap value reports by me in April 2021 when it was doing this demerger from Electro Private Equity. Uh, the main bit was obviously the TGI Fridays restaurant business. Now, this is all pre consumer spending crisis and pre-energy crisis, remember. So it's easy to now say, oh, well, it was obviously rubbish. It wasn't. If you look back at the facts, figures and forecasts at the time this floated, it didn't look rubbish at all. There were four, and I base my valuation on 11 times um, EBITDA of 6 to 7 million, which is what we were being told it would do after being restructured. Now, it put out two inline trading updates in... Um, Thereafter, in the next year, Unbound Group did. This is Hotter Shoes, remember. Now, the only negative news flow from the company actually came out on 22nd of July, 2022. 
Now, when that happened, and this was a deeply discounted placing and um, uh, a trading update saying they weren't going to get anywhere near the previous forecasts that they twice told us they were trading in line with. So if you look at my report on the 22nd of July 2022, I absolutely slate management in this company, pointing out that they've put out trading updates that must have been false. Um, uh, I put here, I absolutely savage the company and I question management integrity because they lied to me on the phone. Three weeks earlier, they said they would only raise any money for expansion and it would only be very, very small, about a million pounds. Three weeks later, they announced a much, much bigger funding, um, which they'd obviously been working on, because placings take about a month to do. So um, they're, they're proven to be dishonest. So the point I'm trying to make here is not in any way to justify my previous bullishness, but to simply say that at the first sign of actually something going wrong at Unbound Group in July 2022, I turned extremely negative on it. So I think people sort of wrongly claiming that I somehow was a great fanboy for this share... Um, need to get the facts straight that I just based my views on uh, the information we had, which was that the trading updates were trading in line. And um, and when the facts changed, I changed my mind on it. Very, very uh, strenuously changed my mind on it. So um, I thought I'd just put the record straight on that one. But anyway, sorry again, it didn't work out. Uh, we were basically lied to, I think, by by management and the whole thing has been a disaster so but you know the writing and and the thing is once it became clear that we'd not been told the truth about the the company it was really too late because the shares had dropped down to about 15p so just want to put down to experience there i'm afraid dfs i looked at um terrible terrible balance sheet they've they've run the debt right up they haven't disclosed what the current net debt is in this latest trading update so i assume they're probably close to maxed out against the overdraft limit pity because it's it's a nice business dfs is the furniture retailer but i wouldn't take the balance sheet risk much much too risky but it's in line with uh, greatly reduced expectations for year end in june 2023 uh but you know don't ignore that balance sheet risk because it could it could go badly wrong this one it's high risk but you know somebody might take a a bid for it it is the market leader with 38 percent so it's a pity really that management have been so reckless with the balance sheet at dfs because in other respects i do like it now gresham house on monday received a wonderful takeover bid well done to that this is an alternative asset management manager very, very good track record over the last four or five years. It's a pity I don't really, I don't look at this sector because I think there are some real bargains in there. Uh, recommended bid at a 63% um, premium. So well done to shareholders in Gresham House who spotted the value. Maybe the whole sector's cheap, I think. Uh, it'd be well worth having a rummage around amongst the asset managers. Although it doesn't seem to be the dirt cheap value ones that people are interested in. Bidders seem to be looking for what they see as structural growth in some alternative asset management. Now, I've got a, uh, I'm going to make this one um, a mystery share. So look at 17th of July's small cap value report for a stock which I think looks very, very good. In fact, there's two of them. So both of the shares that I rated uh, or gave an opinion rather of green on Monday, 17th of July's shares, both of those are mystery shares that I think are really worth people having a look at. 
So two, two what I think are terrific value uh, companies there for Stockopedia subscribers. So have a look at Monday's report for the two green items, which are my mystery shares. Finally, I looked at Vino, V-I-N-O is the ticker, Virgin Wines is the name of the company. Uh, unchanged at 29p, the market cap, another disastrous 2021 float. Market cap is only 16 million, but it's got plenty of cash and it's traded in line with lowered expectations. So it's trading around break even. They had problems implementing a new system. I think, you know, maybe it's now got too cheap, um, but I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for these subscription wine services. Um, I don't think Naked Wines is any good either, but... Um, you know, it is getting into value territory now, Virgin Wines. So you could see a nice strong rebound. You know, if I'm right that this is the start of a bull market, then these are exactly the sort of things that you could see rebound 40 50%, and then you just, in a, in a couple of days or something, then you just sell them and move on to the next thing. I think these, this is a market for traders, I think, at the moment, for strong rebounds, and then you, 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 just, you just rotate, you know, just, just sell them, bank the profit. There's not any time really for me to go through the reader comments today, I'm afraid, but just one general point on that. We've had an outbreak of rather uh, of unpleasantness, shall I say. Um, several posters have been put in quite uh, tiresome posts up, I think, that sound rather arrogant and uh, dismissive and so on. We don't want that stuff on Stockopedia. You know, if you're going to write messages like that you know please hold back and don't hit the send button maybe take some time out and go and have a lie down in a cool dark room we don't want it to turn into um a place where people are just bitching about against each other you know that's what advfn is for we want to keep the stockopedia boards nice and clean courteous polite and if you can't conform to that then i think the head office are really losing patient patience with a few serial offenders and i think you know i just want them i want their, their subscriptions cancelled i think why should we have to put up with it and i think the office is looking in that direction as well they're just wasting so much time dealing with a handful of people who cause trouble uh, maybe they don't realize they're doing it i don't know some people are just weird online you know they're all they're nearly always delightful in person but something about being online turns some people into complete idiots and look you know guilty as charged myself i've got form in this area but at least i'm aware of the, of the fact that i make mistakes and i apologize when i do so i think some other people maybe need to take a leaf out of that book and basically just stop doing it we had um it puts off other people we had a good post from aston girl rebecca lovely friend of mine who and everyone in the shares world she's 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 a delightful person and she said look when i see a load of you know kind of macho type bickering on here it puts me off i don't want to participate in this forum if this is the style of people's posts and she got a, a huge number of thumbs up for that so the silent majority feel the same so if you're posting tetchy or irrelevant posts that clutter up the board please desist from doing that in future i'd be very grateful thank you Right, got to speed up. Uh, 15 minutes just on Monday is crazy. Right, Tuesday the 18th of July, we covered nine companies. Now, UPGS, uh, UP Global Sourcing, we like this stock. UPGS is the ticker. Graham looked at this. They put out an RNS, something about improved net debt uh, expectations, <sighs> saying that year-end net debt was um, six million below what they expected. Well, a pretty pointless announcement really because uh, you know net debt on one specific day is just that it can be it can be 
it can yo-yo all over the place. What we need, so we thought this was a pretty pointless update and maybe sort of raises more questions than it answers. So I don't think, I think that was a mistake putting out that, that announcement. What we need is average daily net debt. That's from all companies. That's the figure that matters. That's the figure that shows you what the trend is because it's averaged over a, a whole period. So um, I, as I know myself from my days of being a CFO, the year-end figure is just a one-day snapshot dead easy to manipulate to pretty much anything you like and it can be totally dissimilar to the rest of the uh, the rest of the financial year that's why it's 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 not a particularly useful figure and that's why enterprise value is such a flawed concept because you're basing it on the valuation of the company on a on an unreliable cash number Okay, Zotfirms, ZTF, one of my favourites, this one. I don't hold personally, but I am looking to, for an opportunity to buy in, but I just, I just don't know, I haven't, haven't pressed the button yet. Now, a nice announcement here about a joint development, development agreement with a, a large drinks bottling company. They didn't give the name of the company for confidentiality reasons, I understand that. It went up 9% on this announcement. This concerns its Blue Sky project called Resource, the recyclable... Um, drinks carton that's in development they haven't actually said that it's ready to be commercially sold yet but this is a step in the right direction i think um as one of the readers very cle- cleverly pointed out i think though uh, you know every company in the sector is trying to develop recyclable drinks cartons so there's no reason at this stage to assume that zote firms will will be un- have a unique advantage in here but the thing i do like about zote firm shares is that the valuation actually stacks up for the rest of the business as is so you're not really paying a premium for the resource project it's excuse me the potential upside i think is largely in for free now i don't know i never know how to pronounce it is it Luceco? the ticket is l-u-c-e uh, or Luceco, I don't know. So that rose 4% on an H1 trading update. I'm amber green on this, so moderately positive. Uh, I had a quick look at the H1 update. I think it's t- oh, it said it's towards the top end of range of broker forecasts for the current financial year. I thought this one overall was more reassuring than game-changing. It's an owner-managed business, decent enough business, Um but I think it got wildly overvalued during the pandemic. And I think if you look at the long term chart, it's really back to probably where it should be, I would say, uh, rather than being particularly cheap. Um, but I'm moderately positive on it. I wouldn't try to dissuade anyone if you said you like that share. Next one, Graham looked at record REC. Uh, what was this? Oh, down 6%. Now, I liked record last time I looked at it, but I think the first quarter trading update disappointed a little bit. Um, but Graham's saying he'll, he'll, he still maintains a positive view over the fact that it's got a very long and impressive track record. He's saying it might just be a blip. Judges Scientific, Graham looked at again. We like that one. Up 3% on half-year trading update. 621 million market cap now, so it's going to get harder for this stock to continue outperforming to the extent that it has done. Obviously, it's been a stunning investment. Um, major, major multi-bag under David Cicerell. Um So, yeah, you know, kudos to him. He's just done a brilliant job there, making cheap acquisitions, getting them to pay for themselves using their own cash flow, basically. Just shows that, you know, an acquisition strategy that's well executed in the right sector can work absolutely brilliantly. So, um, yeah, yeah, very good. Next, I looked at NIOX, N-I-O-X. 
this used to be called Circassia, I think. Now, I, I, I shy away generally from anything to do with farmers or medicals. This is medical instruments. 300 million market cap and now it rose 13 percent on a very good trading update it makes asthma diagnosis equipment it's got a very high gross margin so lots of operational gearing i really like this actually i don't know how to value it but i do want to flag niox to you as something i think you might want to have a look at and do proper research remember i'm only doing quick reviews of the numbers but i think niox looks an interesting growth company uh, so have a look at it. Finally, I looked at DX Group. This is the parcels thing. Trading update. Very solid update. We like this one. We're green on it. Not the sort of thing I'd want to invest in, really, a parcels company. But it's cheap. Um, uh, low PE, decent yield, and decent cash pile. So as a value share, have a look at DX. I'm not sure how much of the profit, though, comes from the cigar butt business of the, uh, you know, the DX exchange for solicitors. That is very much on the wane due to email substitution. I'd like to know specifically how much of the group profit comes from that. I reckon it's probably still a fair bit. Oh, sorry, there were a couple of others we had a quick look at. Bloomsbury Publishing, lovely share. We've been long-term bulls on this at the Small Cap Value Reports for years. Uh, AGM trading update was in line with expectations. Um, Forecast been upgraded previously. Um, I'm staying with a positive view of this one. Nice balance sheet. We just think it's a very good business, Bloomsbury Publishing. They seem to be growing by acquisition and just doing everything right. So, But again, I don't know how much of the profit comes from the Harry Potter franchise, which I'd like to, to know. I don't think they disclose that, but uh, I would be curious on that. And finally, Revolution Beauty, our EVB, the saga there, continues, and they've reached a settlement with Boohoo. It was managed to oust... The chairman, Bob Holt, um, quite surprisingly, and four new directors joining the board. So Boohoo's almost managed to take it over without actually taking it over, (laughs) which is quite, um, with a 26.5% shareholding, Boohoo seems to largely be in control. So um, quite an interesting situation there. Right, Wednesday, this is the 19th of July. This was the day when the um, news came out from the ONS that UK inflation had dropped a little more than expected, still high, of course. And that really, um, as I say, was like firing the starting gun, I think, for a lot of people to say, well, maybe the tide is turning. So um, we had a very strong rally that day. Now, Graham and I looked at six companies, so we've really been busy this week. We like to normally cover at least five, but there were sort of diminishing returns after that, I think, where we... we I think the, we get overloaded, and I think the readers get overloaded as well if we throw t- too many share ideas at you. So we kept it to six. Uh, and now, this was the profit warning from Watkin Jones. I'm sorry about this one, because I had been hoping to see um, a medium-term recovery in Watkin Jones, although it was one of our readers, B&B, pointed out very kindly that I have been flagging this year that I, I was expecting another profit warning from Watkin Jones. Well, why did I, why did I maintain a bullish view on it then when I <clears throat> when I'd already worked out that the forecasts were too optimistic? Well, very good question. I shouldn't have done. I should have just said, well, let's stay on the sidelines. Uh, but I'm well. I more or less did say that actually in previous reports, so I'm not feeling too guilty about it. But it's dropped thirty six percent to only forty nine p. Very very disappointing. <clears throat> now. 
this is another one where it's quite clear the CEO's stepped down, which I think is the right thing, because it's quite clear that really the upbeat reassurances given in previous trading updates were far too optimistic and, and not really realistic at all. Uh, although, you know, maybe the recent interest rate rises have tipped it over the edge. But basically, it's now saying conditions have worsened again. Uh, this is the business that does these pre-sold build-to-let projects, mainly student accommodation, but also um, build-to-let um, residential properties. Uh, it's talking about more contract slippage, so probably only break-even again in H2, and it was break-even in H1, so basically profitability collapsed. It relies on forward-selling six or seven, I think, large projects every year, and it's got a very good track record of making really nice profits, but that was during the zero-interest-rate environment. And I like the asset backing here, but you see it's had to make another 30 to £35 million provision uh, on top of the existing provision for cladding remediation, which, again, is not good news. I mean, because that's a balance sheet hit, of course, creating that creditor, it doesn't matter that it's adjusted out of the P of the, uh, the P&L account, it's still a hit to the balance sheet. But the cash cost is over about five years, so cash cost is not going to pull the business down I don't think but I've concluded here it really does look a mess in the short term but I still think Watkin Jones should recover uh, medium term which was my, my original sort of bullish case on it but I can't stay bullish on something that's put out such a <coughs> such a disappointing update much more disappointing than I was expecting so I've I've moved my view of it down to red for the time being, let's just see, uh, let's wait until the dust has settled and then I might go back to seeing it uh, green as a recovery situation. But I do think we just need to see the dust settle on that one. Um, Graham looked at Restaurant Group. We don't like this, I'm sorry. This is the chain with various branded um, restaurants. The problem is the debt and the balance sheet. It's just too weak. Um, we think there are, the, and it's talking about possible disposals um and graham said here without disposals i think they could uh, need some additional equity i agree um it's i, I don't want to be investing in highly geared but um restaurant groups right now again they could be it's so difficult to make money in that sector if i'm going to invest in anything in this area i don't want gearing ideally but there again in the early stages of a bull market it's often the higher risk uh, highly geared companies where you get the most spectacular percentage uplifts so it's i think as long as we go into these things with our eyes open about the potential risks then uh you know and position size accordingly i would never take a big position size in something with a really dodgy balance sheet but you know and with way too much debt where there is insolvency and dilution risk which we think there is with restaurant restaurant group so um yeah we're red on that because of the weak balance sheet but having said that the trading update sounded quite good confident about expectations of the current year uh post covid is boosting its airport bars business and dine-in whereas i think takeaways has dropped a bit so so we're only negative on restaurant group because of the weak balance sheet and the precarious 
debt uh, position. Now, Finsbury Food, we like. Graham's only amber on this one. I think I'd probably be amber green on Finsbury Food personally, but it, whoever gets to write the r- report that day gets to, uh, you know, put their colour coding up. So, um, <clears throat> FIF, Finsbury Food, makes cakes for and bakery products for the supermarkets and the, um, you know, um, coffee shops and things like that. Very nice business, well invested with modern factories and so on. Boring company, um, but they've successfully passed on high cost inflation. So it seems very well run. Oh, Graham says here, I'm tempted to go green. But in the current market, the price may be about right. 97p probably is priced about right, to be fair. So that's Finsbury Food. Now I've got another mystery share for you on Wednesday. So this is one of the ones that I marked green. Um... And that is for stock of stock, I can't say it. Stock of PD subscribers only. So have a look at Wednesday, nineteenth of report for a green view from Paul. And that I think is the only green view I had on that day. So that identifies the share. Uh, now Graham looked, which I think is very very good. And I'm going to try and interview the CEO actually. <clears throat> now Graham looked at, looked at something called Springfield Properties. Uh, this is a Scottish small house builder that's got some debt, unlike the other house builders. But Graham's green on it, and he's a, he's a quite a hard man to please. So um, he's saying it's riskier than most because of the debt, but he thinks the risks may be fully priced in. And, it, and he sums up Springfield Properties by saying it's an adventurous choice, which is a good form of wording, I think. I looked at personal group, PGH. I was expecting to uh, be negative about this, but actually I'm amber green on it. I think the H1 trading update for personal group does look quite interesting. It's an unusual company. It writes insurance policies related to uh, employee benefits. Um, Quite unusual, but um, it's changed its CEO. And if what I've said here, if it can return to pre-COVID performance then I think you could get a nice re-rating of the, of the shares and lock in a very generous dividend yield. Because in the past, it's paid out nearly all its earnings as dividends. So that one might be worth a look for those of you, obviously, that you need to do your own proper in-depth research. I'm just doing these quick reviews, nothing more than that. Never recommendations, because I don't know enough about these companies to, to give recommendations. I don't want to give recommendations. I want you to take responsibility for your trades and, you know, take the the plaudits um, when you get it right and, you know, blame yourself when you get it wrong because you've, you know, it's it's it, we're reviewing, not recommending. That's really important. It's not a disclaimer. That's our whole ethos. I do have to keep reminding people of that because, you know, you always get people slagging me off when a share I, I, I was keen, keen about two years ago does badly, like Unbound. But, you know, the facts have completely changed. Uh, and I'm not clairvoyant, so I cannot predict the future with any um, certainty. Right, what did we look at on Thursday, 20th of July? Gosh, we did seven companies here. We're usually starting to wind down for the weekend on Thursdays, but uh, we've done loads this week. Um, there's just been a lot of news um, coming through. Now, here is an interesting one. Cakebox, CBOX. Uh, quite like the business, but I don't trust management because of what happened last year. Um, and... Um, News on Sky, as always, that um, it's received a low premium £1.60 bid from an Australian cheesecake company. Very strange, because there's no way 
uh, a bid would go through without the founding family agreeing it, because they hold semi-controlling positions. So I don't know why this was announced, probably to... um, to um, put a floor under the share price, and it's worked. I notice that the shares continued rising and now above that £1.60 bid approach. So quite an interesting situation there. But as I say, I'm still, I like the business at Cape Bots, but I, don't, I can't get over what management did uh, last year. Um, although the dodgy CFO has, has been replaced a while back, so maybe it's all OK now, I don't know. But lookers, um, <clears throat> now this is where the takeover deal, deal seems to have fallen through. Now this one I'm going to take the credit for, because I did say to people, I thought because of <clears throat> the way the institutional holders who'd voted for the who'd indicated support for the bid, were then selling big blocks of shares in the market. That said to me there was high deal risk here. So I suggested to podcast and SCVR readers, excuse me, that selling at about £1.19 in the market looked the safest option. Anyway, I'm delighted to say that's turned out to be correct, and the shares have dropped from £1.20 to to a pound. They're going all over the place at the moment because Cinch, her... The, the largest shareholder, I think, or a major shareholder, um, is saying that they've revoked their um, letter of support. So we're, we're, we're all wondering, does this mean that a higher bid might be coming in from somewhere? So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Quite tempting to go back in, actually, at a pound a share, if you did sell at one by 19 um, because it might wither back down to ATP, which was the pre-bid price for lookers, the car dealers, obviously, or, you know, there could be more upside on a better deal coming through, perhaps. So anyway, I think that's a very interesting situation. And I hope people, um, you know, uh, navigated that successfully. Next. Now, oh dear, another profit warning from one of mine. Port Merion down 28% to £2.85. H1 trading up there. I'm a bit cross about this one, actually, because I think they've not um, not manage expectations at all well. In late May, they said they were trading in line with expectations. Just this one throwaway sentence saying, just uh, initial signs of some uh, um, softer order intake in America, its biggest market. Very much glossed over, I thought, in that update. But we're still going to meet our full year targets. Well, it now turns out they put out a massive profit warning and the forecasts have been slashed by 68%. Well, this is horrendous. So I'm really cross about this. I think management doesn't seem to be um, updating the market uh, accurately or on a timely basis. And something's got clearly gone wrong there. And I don't think we've been told the full picture. So I've gone amber on Port Merion. I don't think it's worth selling. I've still got some because, of course, you know, the profits should should recover. They have done in the past. And it gets, you know, the odd bad year. Customers, it says, are destocking. So, um, you know, and people say, oh, it's not cheap on a PE basis because the forecast has been dropped by two thirds. That's true. But you don't value things by the current year's earnings only. You know, if, if the current year is a particularly bad year and it should bounce back from, then you look you look beyond the current year, don't you? And on that basis, I think Port Merion's worth sitting tight on. So but I'm, I'm not adding to my position. I've only got a, a well, <laughs> it was small. It's now very small <laughs> position in Port Merion. You know, it happens. It, we're having a tough macro year. I've had three profit warnings this year now out of 32 shares. I expected that. The, the reason the reason I liked the shares uh, at the beginning of this year is they were all so damn cheap that I knew some of them were going to warn on profits. That's that's why they're all cheap. But plenty of them have done 
done well. A lot more have gone up than have gone down. So I'm I'm quite happy with that. You know, risk reward is there's nothing surprising that's happening really you know some of your shares are going to are going to warn on profits that's why you have a portfolio of shares because you know you don't know which ones you can look for the signs and you know well done to people who sold on the first sign of trouble back in may um that was an inspired decision i thought management were better than that so i'm disappointed with port merion uh volution graham looked at uh, he's green on that ventilation business he likes that one i looked at pendragon i hold this one personally another car dealer i was happy with the h1 trading update there so i'm green on that one h1 profit up nine percent in line with expectations i bought on the od dip this is where crispin od dumped uh, the stock um and i got it you know at a 10 percent discount really um, so that I'm 10% up on that one. So I'm happy with that. And I think it's great value. Could be another takeover bid there. But they've got one semi-controlling shareholder. Uh, Graham looked at Fuller, Smith & Turner. Great detective work here. FSTA. This is a family-controlled pub and hotel group. He dug into the detail of it has not two, but three different classes of shares. A, B and C shares. And Graham's got uncovered a very interesting angle on that. So have a look at Thursday, 20th of July's report, Small Cap Valley report on Stockopedia to, um, to see Graham's detective work there, which I was very impressed with. Great work, Graham. Um, Phonics Mobile I looked at. I le- really, really like this share. In fact, shall we make it a mystery share? Oh, I can't. I've said the name. <laughs> I just record these in one take. I don't edit them. So um, just pressing the pause button to gather my thoughts. So, OK, Phonics Mobile would have been a mystery share, I think. June 2023, uh, fully a trading update. Um, the only thing is it, it's rather pricey. It's £2.08. I think I went amber on it when it hit £2.37 earlier this year, just saying it's too expensive now. But it's come back down to just over two quid. I think at that level, it's worth paying up for it, actually. Very, very nice business. FinCap have raised forecasts about 5%. It does the premium phone rate lines where you dial in to vote for your favourite character to eat kangaroo's testicles on... Uh, Get me out of here, I'm a celebrity. Or uh, on X Factor, all these sorts of things and on the charity programmes and so on. And they've got 100% client retention. This is the interesting thing. You know, because it works and there are never any problems, the TV companies keep using them. Uh, Also, tantalising talk about international expansion, which I rather like the sound of. Uh, I do worry a little bit, though, about technological changes where that might leave phonics i don't know is the owner honest answer but i'm just flagging the question that people might want to have a think about now friday oh dear sorry about this one i had a bit of a hangover actually and i overslept so i do apologize i was mystery shopping boom battle bars in bournemouth the night before that i got shares in by xp factory um it's difficult to judge some days it's absolutely rammed other days it's it's empty so i don't know how well that site is performing or or not um, and you never base your decision based on one site anyway, but it's it's just nice to keep to keep your eye on your investments, uh, particularly when they're bars and restaurants. And it's nice to you sort of have a nice chat to the staff and say, oh, I'm a small shareholder in the company. And uh, they're usually very happy to chat about things. So I had a couple of pints of um, Amstel in the little open air seating area at the front of Bournemouth site and played a couple of the the games they do that uh, basketball thing when you have to put them through a hoop but you don't get very long they only give you about i think it's a minute or one minute 30 it might even be less than that which i think is a bit uh, they should give you a little bit more time than that um 
But yeah, everything seemed fine there. Then I went on to Revolution Bars and had a few more drinks there. I've actually, I, I, I was top slicing my position there because I was a bit worried about it. But I actually bought some back the next day um, because I think it's, I think, I, I don't know. Again, shouldn't base it on one site, but it, it, it just had the feel of a business that's humming along all right. And the like for likes from some of the pub groups in recent weeks have been very, very good, you know. Very strong double-digit like for like sales. And, and, the, and the, the, the market cap at Revolution Bars is peanuts. So that's the sort of thing where if I get it right, um, I'm going to have a multi-bagger on my hands. A trade. I think I'd, just, I'd, I'd sell them then. I don't want to hold it forever. And... Um, We'll see on that one. But, you know, it does have the risk that the bank debt's a bit too high and, you know, they've already hit us twice with placings during during COVID. So I've position-sized where it won't do me too much damage if Revolution Bars does crap out again. But um, I don't know. I'm quietly hopeful, leaning slightly towards positive on Revolution Bars, but we'll see. So anyway, yes, yeah, sorry, I had a bit of a hangover on Friday. Uh, but I did get up three sections on DPP, DP Poland. This is the Domino's Pizza fr- pizza franchise in Poland. H1 trading update. I always slag this off because the business has performed so badly for the 13 years it's been listed. It's never made a profit. Uh, it's just it's just a, a, a not very good business. But, you know, we always approach new shares with an open... Uh, new, new announcements with an open mind. And I've had to conclude here, actually, um, I think there are the first signs of... Um, that it's finally making some progress, I think, DPP. Um, it's getting closer towards break-even. Um, and at an EBITDA level, it's probably actually cash generative now. So I wouldn't completely dismiss dismiss DP Poland. But is it worth £55 million? Pfft, No way. So, um, you know, 13 years of operating and expanding, it should be making bucket loads of profit. Otherwise, you're just rolling out a, a concept that hasn't worked, which has been my main... Um, point with DPP since I started looking at it. But it does look now as if more placings or even going bust are lower risks than they were before. So finally making some progress, DPP. But not a share I would want to own. Through Vision I looked at, T-H-R-U. Uh, I'm amber on this one. This is the uh, the body scanners machines, which looks very interesting, the technology. And its main customer, which is two-thirds of its business, so a big risk, is the U.S. border force. So really, this is a binary bet, I think, through Vision. If the U.S. border force decide it's the bee's knees, you could have much bigger orders coming through, and then everyone else could start using it. So that's your obvious upside. 42 million market cap, I would say, doesn't seem particularly excessive to me. So for risk takers, I would say have a look at through Vision. I'm not going to buy any myself, because I've got too many other uh, high-risk shares. Um, and cash is looking a little bit tight for through Vision, um, down to 2.4 million on 20th of July, a bit too tight. Finally, yet later on, I put up a quick note on DWF. Now, the, this was the legal services business that mooted a possible potential bid for it. The bid has come through at 97p plus three pence dividend. So well done to people who hang, uh, held on there. It was only trading about 85p in the market. So a lot of people clearly were taking the safer option and banking the profits. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Although, interestingly enough, where they name who the bidder is, and what price they're uh, prepared to pay, those type of bids usually do seem to go through to an actual bid. Not always, but um, so maybe that's the factor we need to keep um, keep our eyes on. 
with takeover bids. I like as well, in those situations like that, selling half. Just sell half in the market and then keep the other half. That way you can claim victory whatever happens, can't you? If the business falls through, you've banked half your profit. If the business if the if the bid goes goes through, you've you've made um almost the full profit. So but anyway, well done to holders there. I think DWF uh, is a good flag that the legal services sector is now looking potentially very cheap. I think there could be it's a bit of a minefield though. I think some of them in that sector could be uh, really problematic particularly RBG Holdings, where I, which I think could go either way. But I think it's well worth having a look at them. I think we looked at Knights with a K, Knights, and quite like that. We think that's good value. So that's one for you to have a look at. OK, I think that's it. So thank you, as always, for um, your input. Uh, generally, super comments. And the snotty comments, um, Try please try not to post any more of them. It, do, it isn't good. Uh, everyone else, keep posting um, because we like the courteous and constructive comments. OK, I'll leave it there and I think I will go on, have a cup of coffee and then I'll go on to part two. Bye for now. Bye.